Are you good? Are we sounding high quality? Always. <laughs> Particularly in the early days of the podcast. Mm. Apparently our Moon Knight episode is ineligible. Mm. Ineligible? But ineligible for what? Inaudible. Oh. <laughs> Ladies. Cool, and... we made it onto Audible? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> we can always submit and get rejected like we did with that other one, which I think got its name changed. Because mm. there's identical commercials on our local radio now mm. for a different one. I see. I think this is a tax dodge. Or like when TikTok used to be musically. Mm. Okay. Great. <laughs> Ladies and future boys, uh, welcome back to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast in a short skirt and a long jacket. My name is Toby Pollitt, and I hope you listened to last week's episode, because today we are going to take another big old bite of the Senran Cargo franchise. We've covered the inception of the creation, the original story arc, and hit a few quick character profiles. And now, Kaya and I are going to march forward into this franchise as a whole. Kaya, how are you doing? Look, I'm tired. You're always tired. Exactly why it makes no difference. You can't be tired. If that's your standard state. (laughs) You know? Look, I have medical conditions. Leave me alone. (laughs) Alright. Do you like the Senator and Kaga franchise? Yeah. Yeah. You seemed like, more into it last week. I feel like we already covered this. Yeah. Um, quick... Like, we, I've, I've been here for a whole 60 minutes of this topic already. Alright, pop quiz. What is the franchise so far? Ninjas with boobies. Oh, you're not wrong. And bean sprouts. Before we jump into the wonderful chaos of this franchise... Put in, like, a breaking news thing. You know, like... You know, you know one of those ones? Right. Edit one of those in. Done. I do not fucking believe that for a minute. We have an update on our previous topic, McDonald Land. Mm-hmm. If you were listening to those and noticed we did not end up explaining Grimace... Even though we promised to. Yep. That is because we didn't end up watching the weirdly racist episode of The Wacky Adventures of Ronald McDonald. But fear not, dear listener, because there has been a development since then anyway. Brian Bates, manager of the Canadian McDonald's, Canadian branch of McDonald's, he's in charge of McDonald's in Canada. He has blown the whistle on the Grimace mystery. He has he was introduced around the time of the thick shake. Mm. Mm-hmm. People thought he was potentially just a glob of milkshake. But, Understandably. But no. Your milkshake shouldn't be grape-flavoured, though. That motherfucker is an enormous taste bud. That's right, a sentient tongue fragment. That's even worse. Can we we go back to thinking him as a milkshake? Nope. We can go back to thinking about anime boobs, though. (sighs) Sorry, I just just felt the need to add that into the episode somewhere. That leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Alright, now back to our regularly scheduled program. Let's start things off with a nice little treat. Speaking of taste buds, actually. In 2012, the series was happy. You know, it was... The first game went well, it had good reviews, its gameplay was great, and, um, titty. So, so it was going to get a sequel. It was getting an anime adaptation. And it was time to do a bit of promoting. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, at this point, we are still exclusively in Japan, so we start this episode in the mecca of waifus and anime in Japan. Akihabara? That's right. We're going to Cafe Euro in Akihabara. I've been there. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to order. Are you talking about the ramen place? Yeah. That's a different one. Oh, no. But they did promote there as well. Yeah. I like that most of their promotions took place in that town. It's makes a lot of sense. Look, they know their clientele. No, but, um, Cafe Euro is a uh, cafe, and they decided to put out some desserts with uh, stickers to go with the game. Um, whew, let's see if I still have the tab open. <laughs> I got a funny feeling. I do. Look at me. Fucking look at me go. Um, ice cream. Mmm. Uh, does it describe what you are saying to the listener? Um, ice cream boobers. That's right. With a penis scroll in the middle. It is a, it's a scroll, like on the cover art. Yeah. Um, what are those things called? The big tubes that old people have? Yeah, they're great. I like those. Um, the gelati one is two boobies with that tucked in the cleavage. And as you can see, soft serve doesn't shape that way, so it just got big marshmallows in it. So that's just a nice little trivia. I like <laughs> I like that their promotional items were booby ice cream. I mean even at the best of times that's what ice cream looks like. Yeah. Very smart. <laughs> do, do you what, like that to as a scoop ice cream? Well no, to sell like I yeah, kind of. Just to just whack a sticker on the side of your ice cream and be like, now it's boobies. Yes. With the context, it's perverted now. Yes. Mm. Uh, Alright, are you, are you satisfied? Yes. With a nice little treat to start things off? I ate ice cream before this recording. I don't know. That was going to be a little bonus detail at the end of last week, but um, it went for too long. Yeah. <laughs> so I put it at the start here. We do that sometimes. Right. Yeah, because in part one, we covered the first half of the anime. The first two games and a remake. Alright, so of course we didn't have time for ice cream. Um, it's time for us to go through the actual sequel, though. Um, I will continue with the anime, but it's its own beast, like, and it, it does its own canon. It's really weird. It's fun, it has its dark moments, but I did hate the fan service in it. Mm. Um, it has so much nudity, especially the uncensored version, obviously. But I feel like it missed out on the silliness of the games. Um, we should cover it properly another time. But it also spoils a bunch of my character introductions later in this week's episode, so, you know, it can it, it has to leave. Yeah. For now, though, in 2014, uh, for Japan, and 2015, everywhere else, we have Deep Crimson. Uh, in this game, a new person from Habijo Clandestine, the evil ninja school, is using... They, they're using blood magic to control the Yoma. Um, as you recall, those are the big monsters. Oh, yes. And our hero girls and our ex-Hajibo girls um, must team up to stop the demonic world-ending threat. Um, we have the ten girls I mentioned earlier in the series, but this game also introduces a couple more. Uh, one of which is Kagura. Kagura. I don't think I'll be able to point it to her on any of my boxes. She's the one that has the pupils that look like gears. Yeah. You know, And she's sometimes small. Um, this mystic little lady is sometimes a child, sometimes not. She is a vague character who reincarnates every hundred years for the sole purpose um, of fighting the, the Yoma. Um, she's pretty chill, 
Uh, it's weird, though, because she ages and gets powerful with the amount of Yoma that she kills. Mm. Okay. Just like an airbender. I guess, yeah. Um, Kai, you noticed that her name is Kagura, correct? Yes. And that's the name of these games? Yes. Kai, did you notice her name is Kagura? Or I did I did. go back too far? You did. Okay, well, guess what? What? Senra and Kagura roughly translates mm. to war, God's entertainment. Mm. Which seems overkill, considering the uh, game itself, if you ask me, and where the franchise goes. Yeah, but they probably didn't know that was where it was going. I think it hit a rough stagnation, which we'll cover eventually. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I never thought to look into that. But um, Kagura, in the eyes of the series, is a shinobi chosen one. The girls are all sort of training to become the or a Kagura, mm. which is like the highest rank, I guess. Whereas this uh, mysterious woman is born one. Yeah. She's like, what are all those bullshit tacky chosen ones that annoy me in film now? She's a Luke Skywalker, a Matrix Neo. Buffy. A Potter Harry. Who else is there? Yeah, he... Yeah, don't fucking even act like he's not a bullshit chosen one Mary Sue. He rocks up, the biggest villain in the universe, can't kill him. He picks up a broom and, he's, and the wizard teacher is all like, Oh, you're so fucking great, let me suck your dick. So you mean basically yourself? I'm great at everything, but I'm not the main character of shit. Except for this podcast, which I forcibly make myself. You're not a hostage, don't worry about it. No, 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 no. Speaking of Kagura, we have Naraku. Not much details about this woman, frankly. Um, She's a ninja monk woman who was in charge of the temple in which Kagura rocked up at every hundred years, and she's kind of like her escort or bodyguard now. Okay. She has that big heavy metal ball sometimes. Okay. Okay. Oh, the... Yeah. You know the one. She kind of has, like... She looks a little bit like Hikage, but with lighter hair. Mm. Yes, yeah. Um, and... Yeah. This game causes problems in a Zelda-y kind of sense, because this is the first timeline. Yes, that's, that's right. We have to branch off sometimes now. Oh, no. Yeah, you got anime season one and two and then you got like this one this is a different timeline the 3ds era yeah which goes center and kagura burst deep crimson so wave goodbye to all that bye now um because now we're going to start again with the main timeline okay honorable mention to the phone app card game Animal Pinball, and Massage Simulator for being so vague they're not really located anywhere. Yay! Alright, main timeline. The stuff I spoke about last week, it stays because this one starts with the remake on the PS4. Uh, Then we go back a couple years from the remake to the PS Vita, probably for one of the only times in our podcast's history. I had a PSP, I did not have a Vita. Hmm. Did you have either of those? I think I had both. Really? Yeah. You saw what happened to my PSP with its, like, morbidly obese battery. Yeah. I'm glad it didn't burst, because it should have. Yes. It expanded. 
quite a bit. Um, it was a fat little battery. Yep. So we are going to the PS Vita to see Shinobi versus. That is not a spelling mistake or a mispronunciation. I don't know why they do this, but similar to Estival versus, instead of a game which takes place at a festival, for some reason they're like confusing. It's like they're purposely bad translations. Mm. I don't understand it. <laughs> but anywho, 2013 in Japan, 2014 worldwide, and eventually 2016 it went to Steam. Um, this is a fighting tournament, uh, Shinobi versus. So the plot is, it's like any fucking fighting game, it's a mess. Um, but we do need to touch on a few things first. Okay. Firstly, the gameplay is the same really to all the other main third person hack and slash games, you know, uh, a lot of quick moving, swarms of enemies, really high combos, really addictive, satisfying to play. Mm-hmm, we've mm-hmm. we've left all the um the 3ds ones are still 3d and still work in a 3d sense but it's sort of more side scrollery yeah it's mostly about the map layout but it still kind of plays the same yeah um secondly second detail about shinobi versus is that this game introduces the guess and girls academy so we're gonna have to run through these lot before we run through the game's plots okay all right first one of the elite school, some of these will be on box art around here, but not much. Okay. You know that we're an audio podcast, right? I know, but I like to point at them so you can describe who they are. Okay. How about you just do it free and <laughs> we'll see if you get in the right characters. Alright, first one that we'll cover uh, in this elite school of goody two-shoe girls. Um, probably my favourite of this bunch uh, Shiki. Do you know this one? Nope. Damn it. She's like the Alvara of the bunch. And okay. I say Alvara because she... She normally has, um... Oh, fuck. I don't know the word. You know those really tanned... People in Japanese culture that are very bimbo-esque? Sure. I can't think of the word for them, though. That's how she would talk in the Japanese version. Mm-hmm. When translated or subbed, she talks like a... She, she has a very valley girl manner of speaking, like Elvira does. Yeah. Um, and despite her kind of airheaded personality, we also see her with her double-ended scythe, black outfit, and little bat demons that follow her around. Cute. Yeah. Um, it helps her big spinning... It helps that her big spinning blade is satisfying as hell to use in-game. Um, she also shares her birthday with White Collar, if that's a fact worth noting. Of course it is. Yeah, yeah. so I like that she's um, kind of ditzy, but super gothic and demonic for no reason. Yeah. She's fun. She has a big, remember she has a big sentient hat? Nope. Oh, man. You're missing out on a big hat. Okay. Um, uh, let's see. What do we got here? Shiki is a first year, so let's go with the other junior of the team, which is Minori. Do you know this one? Nope. One of... She's what she's like the baby of the group, the baby spice, making little Habari, who you do know, yep. seem practically adult. Mm. Uh, her parents died fighting, and she believes that people should be more playful instead of fighting and shit, but reading about her parents makes me think that maybe it's just an excuse for her stunted mental maturity. 
Um, anyway, she has a few objects with her. She has the hamster backpack for snacks, uh, a bucket and a fry pan. Um, her attacks are super weird. One of her special ninja arts makes the fry pan huge, and she drops a big pancake stack the size of a minivan on her enemies. Nice. Um, next up is the team's enforcer, Yozakura. She's the one with the really short bob. Looks like a bowling ball for a haircut. Look, I'm going to disappoint you now. You know, no single one of these based on names. All right. Um, yep. Her kimono- I'm very transient in your viewing of media. And I'm shocking with names at the best of times, too, so you probably never heard any of these names around the house. Um, her kimono outfit is cool, but she rocks a fucking blue bowl cut. Um, it's very similar to uh, Doofus Rick. If you want to upset a bunch of anime people, that's how it looks to me. Okay. You know those bowl, you know those, um, bowl cuts that are so short that they just have just a round effect? Fryer tuck. Oh yeah. It's one of those bad boys. Um, she does have a cool weapon though. Um, I was going to describe it as like if a Megazord had a brass knuckle, but it's more like if she took a wrist off of a Megazord and wore that. Mm. Do you remember, um, Katsuragi's feet? The, the, the big ones. stompy ones, yeah. Yep. It's like that, but for the arms. Okay. We can always make an... Almost make an Iron Man suit. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, she has a mum personality. She's very stu- stern, but can be chill and um, very doting. She's very confident about her cooking. Oh, that's Which nice. comes into play in a later game. Um, cooking mama. Yeah. Next one is Murakumo. She's next on our docket. Um, her main feature is that she is shy. She chooses to wear an, a big, like, Oni mask, and she pretty much wears that all the time in public, you know, the one with the, the demon head? Um, other than that, she kind of looks like a samurai with no pants, uh, she has the big spear and a huge meat cleaver. Nice. Remember that one that's too shy to be seen? Nope. It's ironic that she covers her face and then, like, barely covers a scrap of her body. <laughs> but it's very on brand for the Senra <laughs> franchise. Um... Alright, last one of the bunch. Okay, I'm going to get this one. Yeah. For her fans thinking I was putting her off as a grand finale of the school, I was actually putting her off because I don't fucking like her at all. Yumi. Ah, uh, I know this one. Yeah. Team leader and ice queen of Guessing Academy... Uh, Guessing Girls Academy, sorry. Sure, I thought she was cool at first. She has the low-cut outfit. She has a cool bob hairdo. Um, she's easy to play as and all that. Until... A late night. <laughs> mm-hmm. As I said in part one, this is one of those franchises that I would partake to stay up before a night shift. Mm-hmm. So I was dicking around in the customization menus for Estival Versus, which is a game we'll cover later on, and slowly rotating the characters while I go through the colours. Because in every customizable game, whether it's Sims or Tony Hawk or whatever, I will kind of constantly have the rotating button, like, half-pressed in, so they go slowly while I go through all the bits. Now, her big-ass eyes are mapped to face forward, or the viewer, at all times. So, as her head rolls, like, you know, turns around, her eyes roll sort of, like, sideways into her head to face me, even though I'm behind her. I don't know if I'm explaining this right. Could you help me at all? She does the trick that the Haunted Mansion boss do. 
kind of, but exclusively with just her eyes. Yeah. Double-jointed eyes, and it creeped me the fuck out. I hated it. Um, I then learnt, like... I learnt that she was a later introduction character, hence why we're bringing her up now in part two, who has muscled her way onto every game cover since. Homura is the rival, so Yumi should get the fuck off of the covers, if you ask me. Um, and the merch... Yeah, she's the fucking everything. Jesus Christ. For every Senran Kagura figure released of another character, there is a goddamn Yumi to go with it. Yeah. The bias makes me sick. Yeah. God damn it. Like, I wasn't grossed out by her already, and then I couldn't avoid it. Yeah. Alright. Hakage, best girl. Green hair, awesome. Tongue out, knife. Mm. She has, like, two figures... Mm-hmm. One more coming out next year. Mm-hmm. Or if you're listening to this later, this year. Yeah. She first went worldwide in October 2014, according to a website called 1999 Hobby Search. Okay? Mm-hmm. There have been about... I don't know why I brought up the Hokage and didn't count properly. All right, yeah, so, okay, so just to set a, a scene, Hokage has, like, two and one coming. According to this website, there have been about 42 figures released in the series since Akage's introduction in October 2014. Alright. At this at this point, the game franchise has about 22 busty little characters. Mm-hmm. 19 of these figures are fucking Yumi. 19 out of 42. I don't know if this list is perfect or complete, but that's about the ratio I was expecting. About half of them. Honestly, I thought it was going to be worse. Um, so, yeah. Weirdly, yeah, just this, she gave me the creeps one time and it just started my negative bias out. And now here I am, slowly getting madder every passing moment of my life about it. Anyway, her story is just Asuka's. You don't even need to learn this one. Because you already know it. Her grandfather is a very famous shinobi. He trained her and she eventually learns that not all evil is evil. Yeah. The only difference is once she loses her strict morals, she is even less of a character. Because yeah. she shows up on the scene being like, good is good and evil is evil. Um, we must destroy all bad. And then at the end of her first arc, she's like, oh, I guess people aren't all bad. And then proceeds to have no value after the fact. Mm. So, yeah. Thoughts? On my little high road? Look, you mean... Sick of it? Yeah. She's just... Super oversaturated? Yeah. They've, they've done it to themselves, so... Yeah, they definitely don't help. Um, alright, so that's the guests and girls. Uh, their point of view... In, in Shinobi Versus is like so. Whilst visiting Yumi's grandfather's grave, they meet Hanzo, which is Asuka's grandfather. He is very rude and very harassing. He eats the uh, Daifuku, which, according to Google, looks a lot like a mochi. Okay. Um, that they were going to leave at the grave as a tribute, and Yumi wants to fight him about it. Uh, he says, you have to prove yourself and beat my granddaughter. It's very suspiciously well-timed, because there's going to be a school battle royale, and Yumi decides that this is a good time to find and fight Asuka. The Hanzo story is that Gessen found out that even though Hanzo 
school is a good guy school. They are buddies with the chicks from Hajibo Clandestine. Yeah. Um, Gessen is so strict that they are essentially of the mindset that the friend of my enemy is also my enemy. Yep. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the arc for our classic good girls, so we better check in on the classic bad girls. Their story opens with Homura working as a furniture mover now. Hmm. As you recall... They're all dead. Yeah, they are... They, they, they all scurried off after the last game. They are now homeless and living in a cave. Yep. Uh, they are now renegade shinobi. Yep. Technically hunted by good guys and bad guys alike for being traitors. Um, their rivals in this game are the girls sent to claim their heads. The new... Jibo clandestine students. Hmm. Um, literally, their replacements are after them. Um, these are all on the back of this box here. Look at that. Hmm. Little chibi figures. Good work. Uh, okay, the new leader of Hajibo clandestine is Miyabi, the short, white-haired one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you like her? No. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, picture a white-haired, fat-titty anime girl dressed as Ezio from Assassin's Creed. Yeah. That is, that, that's what we got here. This girl is a powerful fucking warrior. She got she got wrecked during a blood ritual against the Yoma monsters and became catatonic for a bit there, before the events of the of all the games up to this point. Uh, she saw the old Hajibo school fall in the events of the Burst game, and that would snap her back into action, although when she ro- arrives, it's already over. The, the building's destroyed, and lots of henchmen ninjas are dead. Um, she might have been a blank person in a wheelchair for a while, but she was back and intended to start a Hajibo redemption. Okay, that's what she's got going on. Okay. Um, the woman who pushes her wheelchair around during this time is her buddy, Emu. Oh, it's an Emu. Yeah, yeah, she's the one with glasses. Somewhere in that pile, I'd imagine. I'm she wears going... a lot of camouflage, has a stick. None of... Oh, maybe there's glasses. Kaya, can you describe her for me? Well, if I'm with the right person, she's got, like, the one kind in of the strawberry hair yeah. and pigtails, mm-hmm. and she's in, like, a little green religious outfit. Yeah. She's just got crosses and She's got a big Donatello on. stick. And a little bray. <laughs> she's important... Because the series had two eye patch girls before anyone with glasses would show up. Yay! Weird anime priorities. Um, Pirates are cooler than glasses girls. Alright. Start- and I'm a glasses girl, so I'm allowed to say that. Fair enough. She started off as an otaku to pretending to be a ninja, but obviously ended up um, one... A ninja pretending to be an otaku. Yeah, kind of. Um... She ended up one... She, she joined her sister in becoming an actual shinobi because this group is very sister-heavy. Yeah. And very top-heavy. Yeah. Like every other character in the game. Her youngest sister is Murasati. I believe she might have the fattest mummy milkers in the franchise. Mm-hmm. I forget the stats, but I think um, I think hers were J's. Mm. I think. She has long purple hair, dresses in long flowing black dresses, and is very cynical and sad. She would rather spend her time in her room with her teddy bear, which is the little purple dude. Yeah. Um, she doesn't usually attend class, but has a Hulk-like rage called the Root of Calamity in her soul, 
So the teachers tend to let her do whatever so as to not upset her. Yeah. Um, the other two girls are the twins, um, Ryobi, much like the Power Tool brand, and Ryona. Yeah. Which brings us back to my booby mouse pad. Yeah. These two joined the Hajibo school as traders. Okay. See, they began as Gessen girls, but their oldest sister, Ryoki, uh, was sent on a ninja mission and supposedly killed by Miyabi, the white mm. shorthead one. Yeah. Um, so the twins intend on a sweet double-cross revenge story. Turns out, Ray- <laughs> I've misspelled that and wrote Ryonki. Oh, that's a good name. <laughs> She's half herself, half a donkey. Um, turns out Ryonki was killed by the monsters that took out everyone um, in Miyabi and Emu's old group. The one that resulted in her becoming a um, Lorenzo's oil vegetable character. I feel like that's racist. No, no, it's referencing a, a, I think a based on true story movie. It don't matter, it's a shit film. Okay. It's boring. But at any rate, she um, she died in that mission. Yeah. Um, so once that's cleared up, for some reason, these two girls stay. Yeah. I mean... Guessing Academy already has five, so it's just responsible for them to stay and hang out. Okay, um, I understand it. We're uh-huh. here now. Alright, so Ryobi, of the two sisters, mm-hmm. is weird. She is a power tool. Yep. She's um she's flat chested most of the time. I like the fact that you say most. Yeah, yeah, she's flat chested until she transforms. When she does her scroll transformation, boobies pop in. Well, they're defensive weapons for the heart. Okay. Um, she's dressed a little bit like Red Riding Hood, but with a sniper rifle. She is a mean bitch and is a sadist, especially towards her twin sister and my team favourite, Ryona. Uh. This fucking bitch. Um, everything she says makes my eyebrows kind of be like, they, they raise, they're like, the fuck? You know? Just so you know, your eyebrows didn't raise then. Yeah, well, what do you care? Um, an example of her personality would be like this. I've made up quotes to just to simulate what her existence would be like in the real world. Oh, okay. Alright, you'd be like, Hi, Rona, how are you today? And she'd be like, It's fine, but I wish someone would huck a big loogie into my hair, shove me to the ground, and make me bark like a dog. Okay, Cheryl. Yeah, see, this blonde bimbo likes to be chastised and abused. A what? Oh. Way too much. Don't do that. Um, she dresses like an angel and has these guns that kind of resemble magnets. Um, I just like how fucking bonkers insane she is. Every fucking word that comes out of her mouth is, like, either self-destructive or begging someone to call her names and be mean. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. I feel like maybe she needs a headband. Someone calls her a bitch and she's like, that's not very nice. You should call me a sow because I'm a pig, not a dog. <laughs> it's like, are you good? Are you good, homie? Someone's in touch of self-love. She don't got it. No. She, sure, she don't got it. Um, replaying um, Estival Versus as her, I'd forgot how, how, like, movie she is because she's kind of based on, like, ice skating as a moveset, so she's always, like, zooming around on her toes, like, like, Frozone skating around. So I kind of, like, I don't lose, it took me a minute to get, like, her back in order. Like, okay. she's, she's moving around all the time. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah. Um, 
So, with all this madness covered, we can jump into our next game. Because that has no real canon, because every school has a different story mode going on. Okay. Kind of like how, if you play Tekken, the character you play as wins the Tekken. Yeah. And then a sequel will come out that doesn't matter what you played, it's going from a certain point. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those kind of things. Um... We, so with that, we will jump into our next game. We have had a lot of um, great hack and slash gameplay so far, so it's time for a rhythm-based cooking competition. Of course. It's literally what I just said. The girls enter a cook-off, and the prize is a ninja scroll that can grant, that can grant a wish. So they cook up satisfying meals against one another, and the old grandfather Hanzo tastes and judges the meals. It only fits in this timeline because it references stuff. It's really weird. Kai, do you have any thoughts about that game? Um, that's the one that I played, isn't it? We do not have access to that one. We, oh. You might have access to it. It's a, it's on Steam now. Mm. But it plays like Parappa the Rapper. <laughs> I never played that. So, it's like Dance Dance Revolution. Like, you press the buttons in time as they scroll by. It's like... You can play it on Guitar Hero, I guess. I'm never and, good at those And ones. the better you do, the better that your meal will be. And if your meal's really good, it blows the fucking pants off the enemy. So basically, it's like the Food Wars anime? <laughs> yeah, dude. Ew. Which makes sense that, as a um, weird, pervy, parody game franchise, that they would just go out of their way to be like, hey, Food Wars is fucking weird, you guys. <laughs> oh, Food Wars, that's what it's called. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty much that, but with our characters. That all sounds terrible. Okay, <laughs> very good. After that, we reach 2015 in Japan, 2016 worldwide. The first one dropping on PS4, and a heavy return for the franchise. Um, I played Burst on 3DS, but I struggle to stick with... Whether it's a good game or not, I struggle to continue a game on a, on a handheld Nintendo when it's not like Pokemon. Yeah. I don't know why, I just can't do it. But this one. This one was my shit. Estival versus. Still don't know why they misspelled the titles. This 3D hack and slash brawler with gameplay so fun and addictive, I spent a few hours that I was supposed to be using to type this up, just glued to the couch, tearing through Lesser Shinobi henchmen and having a ball with it. The story is more or less simple. Um, Remember the Yoma monsters? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, every thousand years, a giant Godzilla-sized one named Shin is reborn. That's nice. Which is fun, because there's also a Shin Godzilla. Um, Shin translates roughly to God. God Godzilla? He's like a big Godzilla. That's so <laughs> stupid. So yeah, a, bi- a big God monster demon is coming. And somewhere in the afterlife beyond time and space, Asuka's grandmother sees all of our little lady ninjas, and she sees that even together they won't be enough to fight it. Probably because they spent, like, a year dicking around cooking. Possibly. <laughs> it does not help. Um, so she and Ryoki, the the dead sister of the twins, yeah. they're, they're in their little afterlife purgatory thing, and they decide to organise something called... The Kagura Millennium Festival. Yeah. All the girls from the schools are brought into this island, which is beyond time and space, um, to have this little festival and train for the upcoming wild battle. That's nice of them. This is also where the series, as a, 
like as far as story campaign goes, hits a really hard wall of stagnation. Mm. Because at this, you've put it. It's a problem I've seen, not necessarily in video games, but in cults a lot. It's important to have a reason for people to be there. You have to have a doomsday coming, whether it's Charles Manson's um, race war, or the Jonestown race war, or the Omshinrikio race war. <laughs> it's important to have a ticking clock there, to be like, something's coming, you need to be ready, that's why you can't sleep or eat properly anymore. <laughs> it happens in schools. It's called assessment due date. Mm. But I think that's more important. Not really. Alright. Well, the problem with this is that we are now getting close to the... I guess what would essentially be the final big-ass battle with these demon monsters. Yeah. This game pauses time because it's on this weird purgatory location. But it implies that it's right around the corner now. Mm. And out here in the real world, we still haven't gotten there yet. I think everything after this point is pausing time constantly. Yeah. Which is a weird problem to run into. Well, I suppose. Yeah. But they're secret ninjas, like... I just want to. I just want to fight a big Godzilla in one of these games one day, but we'll cover more of that later on. I just this is the point where they're like, we can no longer have time progress because yeah. it'll break our story if we do. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. It's like if in in Majora's Mask that moon's going to crash, right? If that's the events in that game, but the ending of that game was like three or four Legend of Zelda games down the line. Yeah. It's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a broken thing. All right, but we have a, a new game, so we have a new character list. Obviously, at this point, we've got all the main schools, so there's only a few extra ones here and there now. Uh, obviously, we have Sayuri, which is that old woman. Yeah. Uh, wife of Hanzo. Yeah. Um, she's been dead for ages. Um, when she fights in the in the festival, she's all she's a youthed up version of herself using the name Jasmine. I mean, if you can you be young again, why not? She has the big pearl necklace. She still looks more like a adult woman than Rin, the yeah. villain teacher. Um, I like her weapon selection of a huge smoking pipe and a tiny black elephant. That's all you need. It's- I'm gonna bring up a picture so you can you can stall if you like because uh, Jasmine Estival versus look at me go. Oh, come on, I need a picture with a little elephant in it. Otherwise, what's the point? Elephants are cool. There he is. Look at him. Sitting on her knee there. Hmm. Is he good? He's pretty good. Show me this picture. That's a bit... Oh. Yes, I see. Do you see the appeal? It's like, if appeal. it's like if your cat misfit was an elephant. Mm. Very good. Uh, I also mentioned Ryoki, so let's hit that next. She dresses like a blue version of Ryobi, I guess. She has a big shield and a rifle and is often using her coffin for special attacks. 
Um, her main character trait is that she is super nice, but for some reason, I don't know if this is like based on some afterlife rumor and or whatever. But mm-hmm. if mortal hands touch her halo, it makes her flip out. I can understand that. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm sure if, it, if it's a reference to something, I don't know it, but it feels mythology esque <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah, the final boss fight in the main campaign is her. Um, uh, and you also have the three sisters overseeing the festival, which is uh, Renka, Hanabi, and Kufuru. Do you remember, do you remember those ones? I always remember Renka because her hair is, like, up compared to all the other ones. So she looks like she has really big ears. Mm-hmm. But it's just that you can see them. I see. Um, her weapons are, like, the drumsticks. I played as her a little bit, but not heaps. Um, <laughs> her special attacks are really brutal. Because, like, she starts drumming on magical drums. Mm. In a way that reminds me of those big dudes in Batman and Robin at the circus. Oh, yeah. But, like, she's hitting a big ghost drum, and there's another ghost drum, like, further down. And as she hits, like, the sound waves bounce in between the skins of this drum. And if you get caught in it, it is like being caught in a washing machine. It fucking rocks. Mm. It beats up everything in its path. It's really cool. Um, They're the ones that resurrected Ryoki for this. They're like temple monks a little bit. They're vague. Everything at this point on is going to be vague. Yeah. Thank you, Internet, for not having any detailed description of anything to help me. That's nice of them. Once again, this podcast is charting its own path because I've wandered away from mainstream once again. That's where we like to sit. Um, Some of the highlights I wrote down in this game, because I think it's still probably my favourite of the franchise, Um. They're mostly the extra details in this game compared to the other ones in the series. I guess because Renewal is a remake, it's missing a lot of the features that I forgot were in this. Um, Just simple things, like how the girls' transformation animations, they actually have the fucking scrolls with them. Yeah. It's weird that they don't always do that, because it's kind of like the point. Um, I also like that it has environmental finishing moves. Mm. Most often... 100% of the time they're usually pervy based but like if you defeat an enemy near the banana boat at the beach they'll bounce off the banana boat and land in the water ha ha or if you beat them up near the hotel lobby you slam them up against you, you pretty much kick their pants off and slam them up against the glass of the door you, you know like when you press a lady against the glass with their boobies some of that stuff it, they're all like that <laughs> every one of them yeah do you remember even the pumpkin one in the Halloween level, how it looks like the pumpkin's gonna go on her head, but it ends up like her like outfit, like body, yeah. which reminds me of like when a, a poor character in the, the old west has to wear a barrel. Yeah, I don't. That shouldn't be where my mind goes in your pervy game, should it? Um, yeah. Eh, what else we got? Um, I also liked at this point that the stakes are too high for allegiances. So, there's no school-based storylines like in Shinobi Versus. Like, every character is in it equally. So, it doesn't break the... It doesn't break the game up into sections. Yeah. I, I like that it's open that way. It's kind of fun. Um, the bonus missions are wild fun as well. You get so much character fleshing out and awesome fun battles. There are a couple in which it is just straight up old versus new. And you charge an entire school with your school. It's very fun. It was like, a, you know, it's great. Um, I definitely liked playing some of those missions, like, again for this podcast. <laughs> because 
I hadn't done some of them before because they were getting like added for free to the game. As which is like, always what, like nice. Yeah, it's nice of them, but I because I think I played it pretty new. Yeah. So a lot of them weren't there when I was grinding through the game. So when I get to the one where it's like good girls versus bad girls, and I start it as um the Crimson Squad, which is um Homer's like homeless gang. Yeah. You start as them and you're versing... No, no, sorry. You start as old versus new. So so it's... You st- you have Crimson Girls and you have Hanzo Academy versus the new Hajibo and Geshen Girls. Yeah. So the fight starts because if you play through a mission for the first time, you can't select your character. And you, you, you start off as Asuka in this fight. And I'm literally, like, jumping over the other characters in my team to just get the first hit at Yumi. Yeah. Like, everyone in the fucking way, just slam her to the ground as immediately as I possibly can. I'm not biased. I'm not vengeful. Mm-hmm. But I beat that girl to a pulp right away. I'm sure you did. And my Asuka is pretty powerful. Um, In my original 100% trophy run, because I really haven't touched this game since, honestly, Um, I went, th- I went through and wrote down all the levels of all my characters. To see how much I played them. Yeah. I was shocked that Ryona is only level 24. That's Implying I've barely used her outside of, like, locked in as her missions. Um, Asuka was level 37. Hakage, of course, completely maxed out at level 50. Of course. Um, and Shiki was level 35, which you barely use in the game. So she was already le- So I've obviously used her quite a bit as well. Uh, I also noticed that most of my characters had been changed to black outfits. That sounds on point. Mm-hmm. Um, some other, like, small details I like. There are other versions of these games, so I think this is the first one that introduced, like, the wall torpedo, which okay. looks really good and it's really satisfying. If you get, like, smashed up against a wall, normally you would do, like, a floor recover if you fall down hurt. But if you're up against the wall and you do the same thing, you, like, put your feet up and just push off and just pretty much just torpedo through literally any enemies in your path. It's a really good way to get, like, the tables turned. Yeah. You know, you get to be on the offensive immediately. And it also looks really cool, too. Just ripping through enemies. Um, Yeah, I, I really like this one. And I like that I could get 100% of the trophies, because none of them are put into an online campaign, Mm-mm. which I fucking hate when games do that. I don't like that I can't 100% the Arkham games, because I don't play online on games that aren't online anymore. Yeah. You know? Like, and there's... There have been horrible ones. I, I would have to do a proper research tangent here, but... Like, there are, there was a few where it was, like, get in the top 10% of all online competition. Mm. Like, how the fuck are you supposed to do that? Particularly once they shut it down. Especially in Australia, where these games are pretty much digital only. Yeah. And no one plays them. It's a problem. Yeah. Um, what do you think about the story mode of Estival Versus? Um, I remember it being pretty good. I remember, I remember being fun, but I also remember like the ridiculousness. Like we said in the first episode of this this coverage, that it does like to be very goofy. Yeah. 
Like, there was straight up, a, like, a panty-eating competition in here somewhere. Yeah. It's odd. They don't take themselves seriously. God, no. Which is the problem with the anime, because it starts to. I think... I don't know who made season two, but I don't feel like they got it. Yeah. You know? It's not bad, it just is... It's missing things to me. Yeah. Now, alright. I've spent most of my coverage of Estival Versus talking about the main story mode, because that is my favourite part of the game. Of course. I, just, I love the fucking gameplay of it. You smash the shit out of everything. Um, but, as a coverage podcast, we have to talk about other features. Aside from the Kagura Millennium Festival, you have Shinobi Dojo. That is the online sub-menu for standard online battles, the leaderboards, and something I actually had to look around for this podcast, Miss Shinobi. Okay. Alright. Uh, this is a fashion show in which people submit and vote on outfits and poses. Um, and because the customization on the characters is so in-depth and very impressive for the game, um, a lot of entries take pink circles and put them in locations that would imply nipple. Hmm. It's a, it's all very pervy, and I did not stick around there long. Because, miraculously, I, I don't like to perv out on these weird games. No, that's never why you pick them up. I like to chuckle at the boob physics, like like when there's dialogue happening and Homer crosses her, crosses her arms and like her tits like bounce out like like if you grab a piece like a bar of soap too hard. Yeah, but that's just bad physics. It's funny to me. It's more of a glitch than an actual thing. They they don't understand how boobies work. Is it? It's wonderful. So yeah, um, most of the com. Customization is done in the next piece of menu, which is the dressing room. Here you can change a bunch of shinobi outfits to black, apparently, which is what, which is what I did with all of them. Apparently, and you know, you, know, you can do whatever you like with your characters. Now you can also pose the girls here with the diorama feature, which I once used to build Kaya out of Asuka and then have Hakage Bullier. Great mm. stuff. However, a huge important feature in the franchise's history is missing from this game, but it will be introduced in the next one. That's and it will fun. change everything, Kyle. Oh no. But to hear about that, you will need to come back next week for our finale of the Senra and Kagura adventure. Kaya, do you have any thoughts? That's an awful lot of booby fighting. Mm. I thought there was going to be a feature in this game for me to talk about. But it's the next one. Oh. Oh, well. You get the... Yeah, well, if, if you want to hear that, uh, a good idea would be to subscribe on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. You can do both of those things. I do both of those things. Mm -hmm. If you want us to cover something you enjoy or need a gloss over knowledge of, feel free to email us at theschoolfoywoodnerds at gmail.com. Uh, do you have any thoughts about this section? About um, Estival versus and the weird cooking one? No, I don't really. I think the cooking one is a foreshadow of some of the weirder places it'll take this franchise. It is definitely, like... I mean, they're always somewhat talking about food and stuff. I mean, anime food, like, holy shit. <laughs> some well, of it not, looks amazing. It's not completely... Yeah, but, like, there's a whole thing about bean sprouts. I mean, yeah. Anytime she's cooking something, there's probably bean sprouts in it. Um, 
Towards Look, as, like, a, as a kid who way... watched but didn't care about Ninja Turtles, mm. the pizza they used to eat disgusted me. It is wet. You know when they pick up the slice and it is like drooping an entire meter down? Yeah. Of just wet-ass cheese? And then you see anime food and you're like, what the fuck have we been doing? Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's fine that they do that. And obviously, as some of the games on Nintendo Switch show you, they're not afraid to go weird with it. No. I still have my pitch for Senran Kart Girl. I mean... Tell me I'm wrong. It does make sense. (laughs) They've done goofier genre jumps before. Put them in a go-kart. Put everyone in a go-kart, ladies and future boys. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I like that that's just, like, where you go with it. Before we close out, do you have any favourite additions, seeing as I've had the other half of the cast? Uh, not yet. I know you're an Asuka fan. Oh, I know what you're... Yeah, you're saving up for... Yeah. I know your other one. Not that I'm a loyalist or anything, but my one's not up yet. Okay. Um, yep. I've done all the things to end the podcast, I think. I think I've ticked all the boxes. We have. Thank you very much for listening. I've been Toby DePaula, joined as always by producer Kaya. I don't think you introduced us. I probably may have. I don't think so. Where are my notes? You see, the problem is you... you I did, look, that's me. Okay. I did. Oh, yeah, you asked me how I was feeling, and I said tired, and you said I don't get to use that response anymore. Because that's just your human normal. If I was like, how's your legs, and you're like, there's two of them, I'd be like, yeah, no shit. Oh. You tired is you having two legs. I, I had an interaction, I think it was yesterday, mm-hmm. where I was asked, what's up? Being the human that I am. You said the sky, because you're a dick. 100%. Yep, called it. <laughs> and the, the person I'm having this conversation with goes, ugh. And I said, what, you don't think my jokes are funny? They went, no. I went, my jokes are the only reason my husband married me. Wow. They responded, someone actually married you? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I know, I was surprised too. Your students are mean to you? Yeah. All right. So in case you're wondering how my week's going, thank God it's holiday soon. (laughs) Yeah. Hold in, guys, hold in. One more day.